0: Galatians chapter 4 verses 12 through 20 and if you don't have a Bible then you can look on the screen. Let me read it if you could follow along. Brothers I entreat you become as I am for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first and though my condition was a trial to you you did not scorn or despise me but received me as an angel of God as Christ Jesus. My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Amen. You may be seated. Let me pray. Uh, God, we thank you for today. I I thank you for all that you uh, have done uh, this past week. I I thank you for um, all the the blessings and, and even all the trials Lord we, we give you uh, all glory for everything Lord and uh, so God I pray that as we listen to your word today, as we come before you humbly um, just wanting to know more about you, I pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds to receive what you want us to hear today. I pray that even as I speak that these words would not fall to the ground but they would fall into our hearts and that there would be words that are relevant, are true, and are personal to us in our relationship with you. And so we thank you, and we love you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Now, um, as I have gone in ministry, as I've grown uh, as a pastor, there's one thing that I've had to do more and more of, uh, and that is to discipline people. You know, as time has gone on, that's something that I've had to learn how to do better in and, and learn how to navigate with. And, and one thing that I've um, learned to do more of now is uh, in the beginning, I would speak words of truth, right? I would say, hey, this is what you're doing. This is why it's wrong. This is what you need to fix. Uh, and then afterwards, though, what I always try to do is put it more personal, right? Right? I try to say this is why you should do it because I care about you. This is why I believe this is right for you because I really do love you as a brother. And this is why we should do this together because I care about you as friends, as people growing together in the Lord. I want you to succeed. And so there's always a shift in tone as I go before these people, as I go before uh, brothers and sisters, even for you who are watching, maybe you've experienced this, and I'm sorry for that, but I want you to know that I love you too, right? And that's always going to be, yes, truth in the beginning, and yes, it's going to try to go from a a place here, but then I always want to hit you uh, with that kind of personal saying, I care about you, and I want you to know that we're on the same page here. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up Is because for this entire book of Galatians, as we've been going week by week by week, what we've realized is that Paul has been especially harsh to the Galatian people. When you look at any other letter, you see Paul always starts out with paragraph after paragraph, sentence after sentence, talking about thanksgiving and and giving personal touches and and saying all these different things. And yet for this book in particular, he doesn't do any of that. He says, my name is Paul, I'm apostle of Christ Jesus, here is what you are doing, and here is what's wrong. And so for cha- chapter after chapter, we've seen this. No personal touches, no personal experiences, just this is wrong, this is what you need to fix. He talks about theology, he does scholarship, he defends the case, he does all of these different things, and now all of a sudden we come into this passage, and for the very first time, he changes his tone. And for the very first time, he gives his own personal story. For here, he doesn't, he doesn't make any theological points. He's then try to defend his faith by bringing in Old Testament scripture. He simply does two things. He talks about himself, and second, he talks about the church. Now, the reason why, and I just want to refresh you guys of why he is so frustrated, why he is so worried, is because these people in this church, you see, they loved him, and they cared about him, and they believed all that he said. And yet, as false teachers started to enter into the church, they would begin to get swayed. And you see, these false teachers, they would proclaim a certain gospel, a false gospel, saying, yes, you needed to believe in Jesus Christ, but you also needed to have good works. And these people would begin to believe that. And so Paul, again and again, he keeps saying the same thing. He says, no, no, no. the true scripture, the true gospel is this. Salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ alone. And so for here, as he has gone from theological point after doctrine, after Old Testament scripture, he comes to this place. And he just simply comes from a very personal, very caring tone. He uses a word that he doesn't use anywhere else in the epistles. He says, my little children. He says, I'm not coming to you from this pulpit standpoint i'm not coming to you as a scholar i'm not coming to you as a lawyer i'm coming to you as just this man who loves his church and so that's all we're going to do what we're going to look at is first what does paul say about himself second what does paul say about the church and third how do we live this out okay First is what does Paul say about himself? Verse twelve says this: "Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are." See, Paul. He said similar things like this before, and in his other letters, he said, "Follow me as I follow Christ." And when we first hear that, we think, "Okay, uh, I think he's saying like, follow me as a role model, follow my behavior, follow my actions." Uh, But Paul here, he's actually talking about following the freedom that he has. He's saying, become like me because I am free and I know that for you, you are still chained to the law. He knows intimately what the church is struggling with. You see, he speaks so passionately, not because he's detached from all that's happened. He knows intimately what's happening. He's so passionate because he went through it himself. And the book of Philippians, Paul says, look, I had confidence back in my works. I had confidence in my righteousness. You want to talk about Pharisees? I was the Pharisee of Pharisees. You want to talk about lineage? I was from the tribe of Benjamin. You want to talk about everything else being the top of the top? I was the Hebrew of Hebrews. I followed the law better than anyone else. But when I met Christ, everything that I gained, I counted as lost. See, church, in my life, when I read these epistles, when I have read this Bible, I have never read about a man more free than the Apostle Paul. He was a man whose confidence and whose faith in Jesus Christ was so profound that no one and nothing in this world could touch him. You know, there's this great verse that I always see on coffee cups. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things in Christ who gives me strength, right? And I've seen so often this verse being taken out of context is kind of crazy, because do you realize what he's saying here? Paul, he is writing that specific verse in prison, and he has lost everything, and he knows that death is just around the corner. And so he begins to write a letter to the church, And he says this, all before he says that one phrase. He says, I have learned to be in plenty. I have learned to be in want. I have have learned to love the Lord when things are great. I have learned to love the Lord when things are terrible. I have learned to be content in my health. I have learned to be content in my sickness. I have learned to be content when God has given me so much. And yet I have learned to be content when God has taken it all away. And I can do all these things simply because of Christ." Who strengthens me? And all of the circumstances that has encountered him and all the hardships and all the highs and all the lows, none of that can touch him. None of that has any power over him. He is absolutely free. This is the freedom that Christ gives to you as well, church. The guards, they would threaten to kill him, and yet he would simply say, to die is gain. The guards, they would say, I'm gonna leave you alone. I'm gonna leave you to be by yourself. And he says, You want know to live is Christ. He would be tortured, whipped, and beaten again and again. And yet he would say one thing look, I know that this is painful now, but I know that this is a light momentary affliction compared to the eternal weight of glory that is waiting for me. So keep coming on because this is nothing. You cannot touch me. I am free church do you realize that what he's saying here become like me he's not saying just become like me for any old reason he's saying become like me because where i am there is freedom don't be enslaved to this world church do not be controlled by the things that are in front of you Do not be controlled by the things that are behind you. Paul says, be free, become like me. Now after this, what does he say? Verse 15, it says this. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. I know that this is very strong language. We see as Paul finishes talking about himself he turns his gaze and he looks upon the church and he says look don't you remember what it was like when we were together don't you remember how good I was to you don't you remember how good you were to me because he was teaching they were learning and they were all growing in Christ. And he says that their relationship was so close, that their relationship was so trusting of each other, that if he had simply asked, that, he, that they would have given something as precious as their own eyes to him. But what happened, he asks. What then has become of your blessedness? Church, what changed in you? You know, for many of us, salvation by faith in Christ alone, it sounds too easy. But I want you to know that it is much harder to live by faith alone than by your works. Walking, in a, walking a mile in daylight is so much easier because it will only take you a short amount of time than walking a mile in complete pitch blackness. We want to have check marks. We want to be able to see our faith. We want to have these little markers that we can come up against. And that's what works does for us. But church, salvation is through faith in Christ alone. And faith is confidence in our hope and belief in what we cannot see. And you see, church, what happened to the Galatians is that for them, they began to get tired of living by faith alone because it's hard. And for them, they began focusing on their works instead. Verse 16 and 17 says this, Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, that you may make much of them. You see, these false teachers we were telling them only what they wanted to hear. They taught the Bible in a way that focused on the people and the blessing. And because of that, the church grew to love these teachers. They make much of you, and therefore you make much of them. Back then is not that much different than it is now because what they were talking about about back then is very similar to something that we know of today that is very prevalent in many churches called the prosperity gospel. Because in today's church, many of us only want to hear what would make us feel good. And it makes sense because there's a lot of us who are going through a very difficult time. Some of us are in marriages that are falling apart some of us are in financial situations that are crumbling some of us have loved ones that are extremely sick and so for a lot of us we've come to the church for answers and now here's what would be easy and here's what would make much of you and make much of me for me to say that life in christ means that all of your problems would go away That life in Christ means that he is going to take care of all of those problems and he is going to infinitely bless you in material wealth. That the more faith you have in Jesus Christ, the more harmonious your marriage will be. The more faithful you are, the more money you'll have. And you know what? I can pull verses out of context so easy that it's no problem. And I can make you feel good about God. And you know what? That'll make me happy too. Because when you're happy, you'll love me more. And it'll be this sinful cycle where we keep feeding on each other. And I know that sounds strange in a way. But this was exactly what was happening back then. They make much of you and you make much of them. But at the end of the day, church, if this is where you are being led towards, if this is what draws you, your life is going to crash. And you know what? Those pastors who preach this way are going to be judged by God for not being truthful. So church, here is the truth. That even if you love Jesus Christ, there will be days, there will be weeks, and there will be seasons when your tears are your only comfort. Here's the truth, church. There will be times when things are so painful and so difficult, and when God has seemed so silent that you cannot get out of bed in the morning. but church that's okay because the gospel isn't separate from your pain it includes it you see the beauty of the gospel is not that trusting in Jesus makes everything go away the beauty of the gospel is that regardless of the circumstances in your life you get to have God that regardless of anything that happens, that God, he is not going to abandon you. That no matter how badly you do in your life, no matter how badly you sin in your life, no matter how badly the things in this world may be, no matter how bad the storms may appear, that the rock that you can stand on, the rock that will not fail, the rock that will stand firm in all aspects, in all situations in your life, is going to be the rock of Jesus Christ that's his promise to you and that is the beauty of the gospel but here's the danger are you following god because of who he is do you really believe this with your whole heart and the character of who he is and do you follow him and do you obey him and do you worship him simply for who he is or because of what he can give you you see this is going to be the difference And this is the difference between the true and the false gospel here, church. There may be some of us who are listening in because we want God to give us something. Now, am I saying that that by itself, that that asking God for things is bad? Of course not. Is God able to do more than we can ever think or imagine? Absolutely. Can he restore your marriage? Yes, I've seen that happen. Can he lead you out of financial ruin? Yes, I've seen that happen. Can he heal your body? Yes, of course, our church has seen that again and again. But is that why we go to him? If that's why, then what we want is not him, but the things that he can do. And it's not a relationship that we want. We want a transaction. So church, check your heart and ask yourself, are you obeying God because of who he is? Or are you obeying God because of what he can give you? And if you're only obeying him because of what he can give you, then you are simply using him. I'm going to give you an example. Let's say that you uh, fell in love with someone. And let's imagine at the same time that you have a lot of money. Now, you guys are happy and and in love and everything's good. But a few weeks before your marriage, a global pandemic happens and the stock market crashes. It's the worst drop since the 2008 recession. I'm speaking hypothetically, of course. And what happens is that all of your wealth, All of that money that you had was tied to those stocks. And you lose all of it. And so you go to your fiancé and you say, I lost everything and it's been so bad, but I'm so glad that I have you. Now, what if that person looks at you and says, I don't think we should get married anymore. What if you come to the realization That the person you love doesn't find you attractive because you're poor. How violated would you feel? You didn't love me. You only loved what I could give you. You were just using me. Church, do you understand that the point of miracles is that we would grow closer to Christ? The point is not the miracles themselves the point of blessings, the point of hardships are not those things in, of, in and of itself. It is for us to come closer to Jesus Christ. And when we lose that end goal, and when we focus simply on just the blessings, then we're just using God for what he can give us. And think about it. If that is such a violation on a human-to-human basis, how much more would that be of a violation of God's divinity, of the people that he created using him? Now, what does it mean to be part of a church that's walking in the right path? Church is exactly this. It means being a part of a church that is leading you towards Jesus not towards the things that he can give you paul says here in this passage that he is in anguish why because he's waiting and he's hoping that christ would be formed within you his one desire his one hope is that they the church would grow closer to jesus christ that they would follow after jesus christ that they would grow to be more like jesus christ And church when you look at our church when you look at any other church this is the end point this is is the one thing that you have to keep in mind are they leading me towards Jesus Christ and this is the one point that Paul is saying to the church in Galatia as well it doesn't it doesn't matter what we talk about here because the word of God is always going to lead in that path. It's going to expose truth after truth in our life, and it's going to expose sin after sin for us. Many times you're going to see people try to skip over scripture again and again, but what we know is that in the Bible it talks about marriage. It talks about family. It talks about word. It talks about work, and the word of God is always going to cut into our life, not to harm us, but to help us to grow because yes, the word of God, it it exposes the ugliness of our sin, but right after that, keep in mind that the grace, mercy, and forgiveness of Jesus Christ is right after. And so that's all that Paul has said. And now the question becomes, how do we live this out? How do we live out this right path? How do we live out the true gospel? Church, the one thing is this, focus on Jesus Christ as your end goal. And what I mean by that is that we can get so focused on the small details that we forget what we're doing and why we're doing it. Look, Shining Star is a church that is passionate about foreign missions. Have you ever asked why that is? It's not because we can make orphanages, even though that's a good thing. It's not because we can create schools, even though that's a good thing. It's not so that we can provide for others, even though that's a good thing. You see, the end goal of foreign missions, of why we spend so much of our time, energy, and resources into that, is so that we can proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. That's why. It's so that we can save the lost. That's why. Focus on Jesus Christ as your end goal. Always keep that in mind. Even these teams that we're creating here, those three teams that we talked about in the beginning, they're only, look, those aren't meant to do anything more than just to create spaces where Jesus can be greater in our lives and in the lives of other people. Why do we pray? Why do we care? Why do we connect? If you lose focus on the long term, then you lose focus on what's most important. Focus on Jesus Christ as your end goal. And church, yeah, at this time here, look, I know that's difficult, and I know that for a lot of us, we are just going through a lot of things. It's confusing. It's frustrating. It's a lot of us have lost. Our jobs, a lot of us have struggled to make ends meet. A lot of us are struggling in our families. And I know that this disease is scary. And I know that we're walking in unprecedented times. But do you realize that the word corona actually means crown? And do you realize that even before this disease happened, that even before this pandemic entered our lives, that a long time ago that the king the king that we worship you see he had this corona crown of thorns placed upon his head and that three days after that you see that this corona crown it became the resurrected king you see he is the one who has saved us church for us we know who the true king is And we know that even with these things that are happening, we know that with all the things that are going on, with all the uncertainty and all the desperation, all these different things, man, we are so thankful that God is still the king over all of those things, that he is still in control, and that I am so privileged and I'm so honored that God would call us to be the church in this time. How thankful can we possibly be? Because when things are good, everything looks the same. But it's when things are bad, as when things are hard, that we can show that we are the salt and the light of this world. That God has called Shining Star to be different. That God has called us to build this church and that the gates of hell will not prevail. And that Shining Star and this generation and these people can be different. And we're called to be different now, church. Because we believe in a God who is in control of all of these things. We believe in a God that, not, that has not ignored us, but he has simply allowed this disease to happen for a reason. We may not know why. We may not know why right now, church. But we know that all things God is in control, that all things God is more powerful than, and that even for this, he is able to use for our good and for his glory. And so have faith stand firm and know that even in this moment man it is a privilege it is an honor to be used that shining star is in such a crucial spot right now and so move forward let's go together and let's go hard amen amen let's pray